0: Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Each year there's a contest sponsored by the Renaissance Artists and Writers Association, and the contest is called Songs for Social Change and today for song of the soul we have here the winner of last year's contest and by the way the deadline for this year's submissions is fast approaching and we have the link on northernspiritradio.org mary lou fulton rated number 1 out of many hundreds of submissions and what makes it all the more remarkable is that she did it with the very first song she has ever released But the song was but the first in a healthy line of wonderful music as she transitioned from telling stories through journalism and newspaper to singing stories for the world. You'll find out much more about Mary Lou Fulton as she now joins us via Zoom from Los Angeles. Mary Lou, I'm so happy to have you here today for Song of the Soul.
1: Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be with you.
0: Of course, I connected with you through the songs for Social Change. How much did you have to steal yourself to get ready to submit your song to that contest? Was this a nervous-making thing just to submit, to step into the public that way?
1: It was. It was, I mean, to release the song, first of all, was a big step forward for me, given that uh, Not Going Back was the first song I had ever released. So I was thinking about how to make the song more visible and available to others in the social justice community who might find it useful, who might want to use it in their events and their rallies to help get out the vote and, and motivate people to become involved in social justice. And because I am a new songwriter, I don't have a band, I don't have a tour, I don't have a lot of the things that established musicians have. So I thought when I saw the contest, Songs for Social Change, that I would just toss my hat in the ring. And I was stunned. I remember so clearly the day that I received the email in December from the Renaissance Artists and Writers Association letting me know that my song, Not Going Back, had been selected as the winning song. I couldn't believe it. I had to forward the email to several people, uh, several friends to say, am I reading this correctly? Am I understanding what this says? And fortunately, I was understanding it correctly. But when I started writing music, I think all songwriters want to be heard. We write music because we want people to hear it. We want people to feel what we're feeling. We want it to have an impact in the world. And so it was just a special thrill for me that my first song, which speaks to themes that I care about so deeply, was recognized in this way. For me, the rock star moment for this song is not about me. It's really about others finding meaning and value in the song and taking it up in whatever way can help them advance social justice and peace in their work. So it's a different kind of song in that way. I wanted it to be sung by others, and so I'm making the sheet music available for free to anyone who wants it. My choir director also scored a choir arrangement for the song, and that's available to anybody who wants it as well. So this song for me is one that I would love to hear sung far and wide at any place where people are coming together to advocate for change in a better world.
0: And where can people get a hold of that sheet music and all of the extra aids to help them share the song?
1: I have a website, notgoingback.org, and you can reach me through that website, get the music as well as other resources connected to the song.
0: We're going to share the first song from Mary Lou Fulton's Song of the Soul is Not Going Back. Get ready, folks, to be part of changing the world. Not Going Back.
2: I hear we gotta get back to the time when things were good. The world work like it should before we get too caught up in faded photographs do we really want to go back to the past back to the kitchen back in the closet back to the end of the line just keep your mouth shut do as you're told and everything's gonna be fine Good old days, they weren't so good for me How about you? I don't think so I don't think so Oh no, we're not going back I don't think so When people cross the border Who fear for your lives Nothing but invaders With guns and bombs and knives But the talking about my mama Been here since she was nine Proudly waves the flag on the 4th of July She heals back to the shadows Back where you came from Back to the end of the line Stop with the Spanish Just pick the crops And everything's gonna be fine I don't think so I don't think so the good old days they weren't so good for me how about you i don't think so i don't think so a black man always an accident they say it's not the system obama was president so go back to the projects back to the hustle back to the back of the bus i don't think so keep your mouth shut do as you told and stop making such a fuss. i don't think back so. to the kitchen back in the closet back to the end of the line
0: dynamite song won first place in the songs for social change contest sponsored by rawa you'll find a link to them on my site it's called not going back and mary lou fulton is the artist who composed it but i understand along with rob seals who's rob seals
1: rob seals is my songwriting teacher and mentor he's really the person who guided me into the world of songwriting He founded the Songwriting School of Los Angeles, where I still take classes to this day and am part of the musical community there. And he played the guitar on the song and uh, recorded it for me. And I sang all the vocals. This is a very much friends and family DIY kind of operation here. (laughs) So the music and the video also for the song, which is on my website, notgoingback.org, was sort of an act of love and faith by people I know and care about who care about me. So we came together to do all of this. And the video in particular, I'm very excited about because it pays tribute to social justice leaders, past and present, whose work and whose courage really brought us to the moment we are today, where we enjoy so many more rights and privileges than we used to. Uh, women, people of color, immigrants like my mother, their rights, our rights are so important, and we cannot take them for granted. The rights that we have today came from many years of struggle, many years of fighting for justice. We can see today that those rights are under siege. And so we have to remember that progress doesn't happen magically. It happens through commitment. It happens through hard
0: work. So how did you become a social justice activist? How did this come into your life?
1: I was a journalist for many years and have been a a storyteller through news media. I transitioned to social justice work about 10 years ago through my work with a foundation in California that makes grants and provides funding to organizations that are organizing for racial and social justice and health justice. That really opened my eyes to a different way of understanding the world, to see that the social justice victories that we have enjoyed over time are not accidental. They come because people organize, they strategize, and they make the most of certain moments to push change forward. And it inspired me in my own personal writing to bring more of that spirit to my songwriting.
0: My understanding is you grew up in Arizona. Could you say a little bit about your background?
1: I grew up in Yuma, Arizona, which is on the border where Arizona and Mexico and California come together. It's a very hot place. That's what most people know about Yuma. 115, 120 degrees in the summer is not unusual. And it's also a place that has a lot of Wild West history. So we have a territorial prison that was in Yuma that is there still today as a tourist attraction. And in fact, my high school, Yuma High School, has as a mascot the criminals and that's because of the connection to the school at the territorial prison that ended up forming the roots of the high school that became Yuma High School. So we have a mascot that, to this day, a criminal, a striped uniform, and it's very unusual when you're a kid growing <laughs> up in Yuma. You know, it's no big deal. Like, it's the Yuma High Criminals and the Kofa Kings, and those were the— local schools. And then when you leave Yuma, and you're at a social gathering, and people start talking about was your mascot in high school, it sort of stops the conversation when you say criminals after other people say lions and tigers and bears. But it is kind of a, a funny thing. And and in Yuma, it's very, you know, it's a tradition that people are not ready to let go of. Let me just put it that way. So if anybody makes the suggestion that the name of the school mascot should be changed, you will be shut down post haste. My My father graduated from Yuma High. So I'm a second generation criminal along with my brother. And when the high school celebrated its centennial, it was called a century of criminal activity. So we really kind of embrace uh, (laughs) that heritage, maybe a little too much, but that's the high school I went to. But one thing that was very special about that high school was a choir, and a choir director named Taylor McBride, who really saw in us musical potential and gifts that other people did not. And Yuma High School, at the time I went there, had a dropout rate of more than 50%. So it was a place where not a lot of people believed in us as students, in our potential and our future our choir director did and he founded this remarkable group called the Corollaires that performed in the community all the time pop music of the day similar to the TV show Glee where you had the show choir young people performing you know the hits of the day we were doing that in Yuma 40 years ago with a full band with a bass and drums and a horn section and choreography and we played in the community and we had concerts every year people paid money to come and hear us and see us. He took us traveling, you know, to Phoenix and to Washington, D.C., and to Hawaii to a choir competition, the first time many of us had been out of Yuma or been on an airplane. And these were experiences that opened the world to us but also helped us see our worth and value in a place that didn't always appreciate who we were. And so I will always be grateful for that experience at Yuma High School. Since that time, I have been a lifelong choir singer And as I get older, I realize how important that experience was in shaping my life and in what I'm doing now with music.
0: You mentioned that your father went to school there. He was a criminal as well. And is this a family tradition now?
1: Well, we are apparently a family of criminals, but our traditions are, are not only about that. I owe so much to my dad in terms of my musical heritage and tradition as well. He was a talented local country musician. He played the bass and the lap steel and the acoustic guitar he loved classic country, and he also loved uh, Mexican mariachi music, and he learned Spanish in high school. He taught himself mariachi music, which is a type of Mexican regional music, and he loved to go to the border town closest to Yuma, and he would go to the bars where the mariachis were playing and ask if he could sit in with them. You can imagine in the 1960s, you know, this fair-skinned guy with blue eyes, stepping into a bar in a border town and asking the musicians if he could sit in with them and sort of you know gave him a funny look and said well okay much to their surprise he could play the music as well as they could and so in sitting in with the band he got to know people in the bar and one person was a man who came up to him and said hey I I have a cousin who's living with me. This lovely young woman, I'd like to introduce you. My dad said sure, and so uh, <laughs> they met, and that young woman turned out to become his wife and my mom. You know, I feel that music and the mariachi music in particular, you know, was the reason they met, and so I recorded a cover of one of my favorite mariachi songs, Mi, that. I imagine them dancing to in this little bar as they were courting together in the early 1960s.
0: Well, let's play it, Sabuera Mi. Uh, it's written by Alvaro Carrillo, and it's performed here by our guest for today's Song of the Soul, Mary Lou Fulton.
2: Nuestras almas se acercaron Tanto así que yo guardo tu sabor Como tú llevas también sabor a mí Si negaras mi presencia en tu vivir Paseará con abrazarte y conversar Tanta vida yo te di que por fuerza llevará sabor a mí No pretendo ser tu dueña no soy nadie yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida doy lo bueno Soy tan pobre, ni otra cosa puedo dar Pasarán más de mil años y muchos más Yo no sé si tenga amor la eternidad Pero allá tal como aquí, en la boca llevarás sabor a mí dueña, no soy nadie, yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida, doy lo bueno, soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar, pasarán más de mil años y muchos más, yo no sé si tenga amor, la eternidad Pero ella tal como aquí en la boca llevarás sabor a mi, sabor a mi, sabor a mi, sabor a mi.
0: If you're not a Spanish speaker, Unfortunately, you maybe don't understand all of the words for sabor a mi. It's my flavor, my taste on your mouth that's going to be left. How sweet that you choose that to remember your father. The song, again, is not by Mary Lou Fulton. It's by Alvaro Carrillo, written back in 1959 and when was it that your mother and father actually connected there it was
1: they met in uh, 1961 so it was just shortly after this song was written and it's a it's a bolero and it speaks to that soulful connection between two people that never leaves you. You know, those deep relationships that stay with you even though time goes by. So it was it was a special and beautiful song. It's a song that you often hear at weddings, at birthdays, even today. It's really a classic and one of my favorites. But Yuma ended up becoming my hometown because of my grandfather, my father's father. He was a Westerner as well. He was born in Oregon, left home at a very young age, and had quite a lot of adventures in his life. He moved around the country quite a bit and ended up in Arizona, settled down there and raised his family there. But he also, you know, he sowed a lot of wild seeds in his life. (laughs) And he told me those stories growing up and his spirit of adventure, his spirit of fearlessness, of truly being a self-made man very much affected me. I loved him very dearly. He's passed away some years ago now, but I wanted to pay tribute to him, and so I wrote a song about him called Hammer and a Gun.
0: I think we'll share that, but just a a few notes. The gun you refer to, and there's a verse in here where you talk about what happened with the gun. Was he the first noted criminal in the family?
1: (laughs) Uh, He may have been. We don't know exactly all of the details there, but he definitely was someone who was always going to defend himself and defend others in whatever way he could. I think the roots were planted there some time ago for our our criminal history and our family.
0: Mary Lou Fulton wrote this song for her grandfather, and she shares it here today for Song of the Soul, Hammer and a Gun.
2: He was born a farmer's son On the plains of Oregon Worked the golden fields of wheat With a plow and aching feet When he said he wanted more His daddy kicked him out the door It was 1923 and Grandpa grandpa's knee hear the stories he'd tell me he took me for banana splits and let me drive with no permit he taught me how to fish how to sew a saddle stitch to push through every door
0: We're speaking today to Mary Lou Fulton. She's actually in L.A., California, but grew up in Yuma, Arizona area, which is where her grandfather, who's the subject of that song, Hammer and a Gun, where he actually settled. Now, again, we don't know the details of his situation with the gun, the verse that you talk about there, but you did talk about your father and yourself going to Yuma High, where your mascot is the criminal, the Yuma criminals. And in this song, I discovered that you actually were a criminal because you were driving without a permit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mark, very clever of you to pick up on that. Yeah. Grandpa was not, he was a rule breaker. Let's just say that. He was just a free spirit. He rode a motorcycle without a helmet. He just didn't like those rules. And he, you know, I think taught me more than anything to say, why not? Why can't we do this? Why shouldn't we do this? Even if someone tells you no. So that was a very important lesson for me. And as as time goes by, I really understand more and more how important that was for me.
0: Folks, today our guest for Song of the Soul is Mary Lou Fulton. The website where you're going to find out more about her and her music is notgoingback.org. She joins us for Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production, Web webnorthernspiritradio.org. O-R-G. 15 years of our programs for your free listening and download. You can listen to and comment on our programs, and we'd love it when you do. There's also a donate button, which is how you can support this full-time work. I also want you to support your local media. Northern Spirit Radio is just one venue for putting out music and news to the world. You have community radio stations everywhere across the United States, and they provide such wonderful alternative sources of news and information are so vital. There is a mainstream narrative and there's a counter mainstream narrative, and yet there's so many more truths beyond those that don't get publicity. So please support your local community radio station, including the 40 plus stations across the country who carry our programming from Northern Spirit Radio. But today we're with Mary Lou Fulton, who has done her own share of providing counter narrative to the mainstream. Talk a Little bit about your history. Uh, I'm mean, writing, editing. You've really had a vital hand in making this world a better place, which is makes it so appropriate for you to be here on Northern Spirit Radio.
1: Thanks for saying that, Mark. Yes, I studied journalism in college and went on to work at several different news media outlets from the Associated Press to the Los Angeles Times to the Bakersfield Californian and the Washington Post digital news operation. And I've always been interested in storytelling. I had a knack for writing from a young age. And when I sort of stumbled into journalism, really, I took to it immediately. I loved Talking to people about the little things in their lives that made a big difference and big impact. I was the kind of reporter who was not interested in covering presidential campaigns or becoming a foreign correspondent. I loved figuring out what was going on right down the street. Talking to people about the everyday victories and the everyday defeats that make up most of our lives and finding the larger lessons in those stories. And so that community and neighborhood news was always my passion, closest to my heart. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity when I worked at the Los Angeles Times after the civil unrest in 1992 to help start a new community news edition that told stories of the central city. The way that mainstream media covers neighborhoods in urban communities is not helpful. In fact, it's often harmful because it repeats stereotypes. It repeats negative narratives of the people who live in communities. Sometimes it becomes the only impression that we have of someone who lives in South Los Angeles or East Los Angeles is what you read in the media. And it's so different. It's so different in in real neighborhoods when you talk to real people to hear about their struggles and their victories. And so in starting this new community news edition, our job was to showcase those stories, to tell the story, the untold stories of people who lived in the central city of Los Angeles. And I'm really proud of that work proud that we helped bring forward some new and different perspectives in Los Angeles about what was really happening in the central city. And everywhere I've gone, I've really focused on lifting up those stories, trying to find those stories that we hadn't heard before, hadn't heard in in that way, and help to amplify them. When I worked at the Health Foundation, I mentioned the California Endowment, a big part of my job was working with community organizations to help build their skills and staff to tell their own stories so that others in the world could appreciate who they were, what they were doing, and why. And so that storytelling has been in my DNA for a long, long time. And it was only a few years ago that it occurred to me hey, maybe I should put all this together. You know, I'm the daughter of a country musician. I've been a writer my whole life. I've been singing in choir since I was a kid. What if I connected the dots? And it was really that insight that led me to the Songwriting School of Los Angeles, to my teacher, Rob Seals, and to the community there that really encouraged me. So it's very important for me and I think for all artists to have that community.
0: This is putting a definite taste in my mouth. I want to savor some more of the beautiful music that you've made. What shall we share next?
1: Next, let's share a a much more personal song. I do have a great interest in social justice and write music about the world, but I also write about things that happen in my own life, inspired by my own experiences. And this next song is called Might Have Been. And it was inspired by an experience that I had in an airport where I was waiting for a flight and ran into someone from my past, someone I had not seen in many, many years. It was a very special person to me, special man in my life, but we had crossed that fork in the road long ago. But there he was. All of a sudden everything came flooding back, all of those feelings that time in my life. And so on the flight to Nashville that day, I wrote the lyrics for this next song,
2: Might Have Been. It ended 19 years ago Now I see you in the airport You come up to say hello I introduce you to my husband and I'm praying he can't see That I once believed we were meant to be But our love was too much My knees, they started shaking I said, I think they called our flight You reached out to hug me Held on too tight I thought I might hear from you Not to start things again just say that you remember too But we both kept our distance This secret's ours to keep Like a falling star that only we can see I thought I'd let sin, but i do it all again. The wall that's left.
0: Mary Lou Fulton is our guest today for Song of the Soul. While she's very much a world changer, she's also a beating, loving heart. And that song talks a little bit about how that played out in her life. It's called Might Have Been, and you can track her down via her website, Not Going Back. Dot org. If you missed the beginning of the program, you have to go back to hear Not Going Back and enjoy that song. And you can, of course, see it and the video via her website. But that one about love, you know, 19 years earlier, someone who is so important to you. Your comment in there that hoping that your husband didn't notice, <laughs> did he pick up on it? Did you talk? When you made this song, he certainly knew what had happened.
1: <laughs> yes, we did talk about it later. And, you know, again, it was so long ago. And it, it isn't important in this moment in my life anymore. You know, I have a different life. I've moved forward. and I recognize that you know, all the relationships that we have, each step lights the way, right, for the next thing in our lives. But then once in a while, you're sort of reminded that, gosh, the past is still right there, you know, in you, <laughs> those feelings. And so we, we talked about it, and he encouraged me to write about it and to share this song. And I'm glad I did. It's It was a different kind of song for me. And I think as a as a songwriter, we're we want to, you know, take advantage of, of all of these different inspirations and opportunities to write. And that one was just too cinematic to pass up. I mean, as, you know, you can't make the stuff up. What? You know, I'm in an airport and, and here you are and here we are. And I'm trying to figure out how to keep myself together. In that moment, that was so unexpected and emotional for me. And yet writing the song helped me to make sense right, of that relationship and where it fits into my life. And I have don't have regrets about it, but I've also at the same time moved on from it. But, you know, that's what music does. Music helps you to make sense of your own life. And I, I hope that it helps the music that I write helps others see their own lives in the
0: mirror too. How about you hold up another mirror to us? What shall we share next?
1: Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this land is your land. So, Going back to my time in Arizona and my time singing in in high school, I had a a friend who did go on to pursue a career in music. My friend David Figueroa ended up getting to know the Ronstadt family uh, based in Tucson. So, Linda Ronstadt and her, particularly her brother Michael. Michael Ronstadt had a family band called Ronstadt Generations, and David and Michael dreamed up an idea for a project that would reimagine American patriotic music in a Mexican-American style. It's such a cool idea, and I feel so fortunate that David invited me to sing on this project. I went to Tucson. I spent a magical week rehearsing and recording with Ronstadt Generations and other musicians in the Tucson area they collaborated with to figure out the arrangements and the vocals. And uh, it was my first experience in a recording studio. So that really opened up this world for me of possibility of, hmm, I wonder if I could do this. I wonder if I could one day have my own music recorded in this way. And uh, it was just a very special, beautiful week. And one of my favorite songs from that collection is called America, Our Home by Ronstadt Generations is This Land is Your Land. This Land is Your Land is a wonderful classic song, but it's not generally thought of as a dance song. (laughs) But when you hear this version, or at least when I do, I just want to get up and start moving and dancing. And I think there's a lot of joy in it. And I love this arrangement and wanted to share it today.
0: You all know the song This Land Is Your Land, but here's a version that you've only dreamed of until now. Amongst the voices you hear performing with Ronstadt generations is our guest for today's song of the soul, Mary Lou Fulton. This land is your land. Is your land, this land is my land From
2: California to the New York Island From the redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me As I was walking the ribbon of highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me That golden valley, this land was made for you and me. I roamed and rambled and followed my footsteps. To the sparkling sands of the diamond deserts And all around me a voice was sounding This land was made for you and me When the sun came shining and I was strolling And the wheat fields waving and the dust clouds rolling The fog was lifting, a voice was chanting This land was made for you and me. Tarancas y limas, limas y limones, Malinda la Virgen, que toda la flor. This land is your land This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me This land is your land This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest
0: Land was made for you and me. That rousing version of "This Land is Your Land" is by Ronstadt Generations. Mary Lou Fulton is our guest for Song of the Soul, and she's one of the voices joining in there from that 2012 release called "America: Our Home. When you want to track down Mary Lou Fulton, however, go to notgoingback.org. And you'll find more connections to more of her music. And again, I was actually a little bit surprised. There's a couple verses that are not taught in grade schools. In our country, for instance, there's the the one about I went walking and there I saw a sign there said no trespassing. On the other side, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me. That and in the shadow of the steeple, I saw my people that verse, But I really enjoyed the one in Spanish who sang that. Yeah, you're bilingual, right? Completely. I
1: am bilingual. Yes, I grew up in a bilingual bicultural household. And uh, this was an inspiration in the studio from one of the musicians who collaborated on um, this recording of America, Our Home. His name is Francisco Gonzalez, and he was one of the original members of Los Lobos, who's now living in Tucson. So musical royalty in my book. And he is a great student of Mexican folk music and regional music. He was inspired in the moment to bring forth this idea of including a verse from a Mexican holiday carol from the state of Veracruz at the end of This Land Is Your Land. The verse is
2: Naranjas y limas, limas y limones, más linda la virgen que todas las flores.
1: And what it means is oranges and limes, limes and lemons. The Virgin Mary is more beautiful than all of the flowers. And the flowers refers to this song called The Branch, La Rama. And the branch is what children carry in the streets at Christmas time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So it's really a joyful and festive celebratory chorus that uh, we added to the end of the song. And I just love it. I, every time I listen to the song, I end up singing that chorus in my head all day long.
0: Well, thank you for that version of the song. Again, the Ronstadt Generations as Sue performed it and with their special guest star, Mary Lou Fulton, joining in for that one. One of the things that you said, and I'm not sure people really caught it clearly, I think it was only as of the age of 50 that you decided to go into writing and performing music. I mean, you'd performed music as part of choirs before, but I think you made a decision not to go in college into music because you'd seen how hard of a living it is to make by what your father was doing. So at 50, what was it that clicked? What changed your direction? What opened your eyes? What freed you up? Maybe you paid off your house completely.
1: (laughs) Well, I have a tradition in my life at the start of every year. I really reflect on something new that I'd like to do and learn in the coming year. It was the year that I was turning 50, and the idea came to me that I wanted to learn about songwriting. So I started down that path and that journey through taking classes and being part of a musical community. And I've reached a stage in my life where I think I'm I'm beginning to prioritize in a different way what I want for my life. I think when you're younger by need and necessity, you're working hard, you're on the move, you're doing what you need to do to survive and to get ahead. And as time goes by, you really have moments to reflect on that and say, well, what am I good at? What is my role in the world? What can I contribute? What do I want to be remembered for? And I thought it would be really wonderful and special if one of the things I could be remembered for is not only the music that I performed, but music that I could create. And so I started down that path. I'm still on that path and really grateful to be on this journey of music making and all that it will hold for me in the future.
0: Well, let's finish up with one last song. It's so wonderful to find you, uh, again, around the age of 50. And by the way, I started Northern Spirit Radio, I think when I was 50 or 51. So
1: Good things happen in your (laughs)
0: fifties. If you're wise enough and you have the proper support, in my case, the support of my wife was invaluable. And there was a clearness committee that was part of the local Quaker meeting and the regional Quaker group that came behind me to support me in, in finding the clearness of where I was going in my life. And so I'm thankful to all of those people and the continuous support. And we don't ever get anywhere alone.
1: Absolutely true.
0: It's really this year I understand that, you know, okay, I'm going to music, I'm quitting my day job, my music is my life. Tell us about that transition.
1: I thought long and hard about it, made many budgets and spreadsheets trying to figure out if I could afford to live in a different way. But I really did make a conscious choice to rebalance my life so that it didn't revolve around a full-time job but rather centered on my own creative life. And I left my full-time job on March the 6th, and four days later, we were quarantined under COVID. (laughs) Uh, So life has not unfolded in the way that I imagined this year, but it has still been good and beautiful. And it was perhaps a month or so into COVID, When the idea for this next song, We'll Tell Stories, came to me as I was reflecting on and absorbing the historic time that we were living through. This is not an ordinary time. This is a pandemic. This time is going to be written about in the history books. And what might we say about it after it's all over? Not necessarily the newspaper headlines, but what will we say to one another? What will we tell our family? What stories will be passed down? How will we remember these times? And that is the idea behind We'll Tell Stories.
0: Well, we're going to finish today's Song of the Soul with Mary Lou Fulton. With that song, we'll tell stories. First, I want to thank you for your many years of service to the country through your writing and, again, working with newspapers and other publications and now continuing to share the news and being a change agent for the world through your music. I'm so thankful that I got connected to you through Rawas through the Songs for Social Change contest, and that you continue to tell the stories that are going to change this world. Thank you so much for joining me today for Song of the Soul.
1: Thank you, Mark. Great pleasure to be with you.
0: And to track Mary Lou Fulton down, you want to go to notgoingback.org. The link is on northernspiritradio.org. Thank you to Andrew Jansen for production assistance on today's program. Here is Mary Lou Fulton's final song for Song of the Soul, We'll Tell Stories. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul.
2: About these days when the fear kept rolling over us in waves and waves when the worst was yet to come when there was no place to run. When a brighter day finally was in sight, we opened arms and doors again, sharing stories and holding hands.